Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Well, welcome, friends. Brenda and I want to begin today's podcast with a question. Do we wait for the Lord to move? Or are you prone to run ahead of the Lord and devise your own plan to solve your own problems? That's often my tendency. And as we reach this point in the story of Esther, she could have revealed her request either in the throne room when she first went into the king or at this first feast with the king and Haman. But while she entertained them at that that first feast, Esther extended to yet another invitation for a second feast for another day. And God is intervening. God intervened that very night between these two feasts. The, The king, he was unable to sleep, and that's part of the plan of God. And then he heard of Mordecai's discovery of a plot to assassinate him. And how was this man rewarded for his loyalty? Well, he wasn't. Oh, we've got to reward this man. You know, from the beginning of this book of Esther through chapter 4, this is a period of of years. But now in chapter 4 through chapter 7, where we'll be standing today, this is a span of just five days, three days, three days that were days of fasting for Esther and for the women that were with her, for all the Jews. And then just these two days, two feasting days in, in between, Esther is afraid. She's fearful for her life and for the lives of all the Jewish people. And she's spending this time, she's treading very carefully, thoughtfully. She's having great wisdom and discernment. And she's asking the Lord, what would you have us do? Um, Also, along with this, Brenda and I have been reading through Isaiah. Uh, Just um, There's so much there, but there's a, a wonderful verse in Isaiah 49, 23. It says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Do we wait for the Lord? And as we conclude chapter 6 of the, the book of Esther, verse 14 says this, while they were yet talking with him, um, and this is Haman is talking with his wife and his advisors, and he's telling them all that has happened. It's just been a terrible day. While he, Haman, was yet talking with these advisors and his wife, the king's eunuchs arrived and they hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. And you say, oh my gosh, another feast. Maybe this will turn my day around. And it will not. (laughs) Well, and as you you open up today, well, I love even those questions, which we've been talking back and forth you know, waiting for the Lord, or do I run ahead of Him? And and what what where does my heart go? You know, do I want to fix this problem, um, or will I wait on the Lord? And so that phrase from Isaiah forty nine twenty three: "Those who wait for me for the Lord shall not be put to shame." And I want us to right here between chapter six and chapter seven. I want us to pause and just consider Queen Esther. Where, where kind of are, 
is her heart? Where are her feelings, her emotions? What is her outlook on what's taken place? You know, Mordecai, her uncle, was in sackcloth and ashes, and he was mourning, and she sends a eunuch out to talk to him and says, put these clothes on. Don't don't be like this outside of the king's palace, and he would not. And that conversation back and forth. And then she says, I will go before the king, and if I perish, I perish. Um, But then after those three days of fasting, she actually came before the king, right? So is her heart encouraged? Is she hopeful? Because as she entered the king's throne room just the previous day, he did, in fact, extend the golden scepter to her. Yeah, and and he did come for that first feast. I mean, she has to sense that that um, God is at work, she has to sense that she's been given favor with the king. Yeah, and if we go, if we look, glance back at chapter six, he in fact uh, hurriedly, you know, he sent the eunuchs to get Haman and said, "We, we, you know, we've been invited to a banquet, a feast with the queen. Hurry and let's go." And this guy loves his feasts. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've we've seen a lot of them uh, in these six chapters. You know, did did she know, in fact, that Mordecai had been honored this morning um, prior to her feast? You know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of as a woman, which, of course, she's queen, so she has servants doing the work and the labor, but, but she also is very, very focused on this particular banquet with the king and Haman. So maybe she didn't even know what had happened. I know while you and I d- discussed that. Yeah, and and I and I I've been just talking, especially in the in the in the harem in the palace area. I mean, they just are constantly talking, and and for Mordecai to have to lead to, to be um, Haman led right. Mordecai. No, but but for for Mordecai to be led around by oh. Haman, and and for them to be shouting out in the in the main streets. I mean, think about this. Um, I mean, they have to know because. Earlier, the eunuchs are going and they're, they're telling Esther, hey, your uncle, this is happening to him. I mean, they have to be saying that. I don't know if they know that they've, they've, they've been put up a gallows to kill this guy. Haman's done that. I mean, there has to be all this talk and chatter. I mean, that's, that's the way palaces worked back in those right. days. Right. And as you say that, just the thought that a eunuch or two ran to Queen Esther and told her what had happened, they they by now knew the relationship, right? Right, right. And so it's now time for the king and Haman to join her on this second day, the second feast. So let's begin in chapter seven. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, what is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. And remember, the kingdom goes all the way to India. It goes all the way into Europe. The kingdom goes all the way south into Egypt. I mean, we're talking about the greatest kingdom at that time was the the Persian kingdom. Well, and, you know, Queen Esther's answer here in verse 3 is, is very interesting. Well, we, we highlighted this part of her answer because we, we kind of pondered this, her humility, her coming before the king and, you know, being 
um, humble before him, she answers, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. You know, as she comes before him, she realizes she's in a very vulnerable position, right? And so she's asking for his favor and she's bowing before him, so to speak. Yeah, and she's not asking for half the kingdom. What she's asking for is her life. And he's already said, Queen Esther, I I, I, I want to grant a request, a great request, even a, a one that could make you fabulously wealthy and powerful. And she says, King, I, I just want to live and I, I just want my people to live. Yeah, for we've been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed to be killed, and to be annihilated. And those three phrases, I mean, they're repeated and they intensify. Mm -hmm. And and that, in in Hebrew doesn't have an exclamation point. That's how you exclaim something. You build upon the concept. You you, you Mm -hmm. repeat it and repeat it again. And it's just saying, we're all about to die. And And she says, if we'd been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent. You know, if if we were just going to be slaves um, and serve and under cruel taskmasters, right? I would have kept quiet, but it's so much more. Our affliction is not compared with the loss to the king. And so we see here that the queen has taken time. She took those three days of fasting to prepare um, prayer. The word prayer is not stated in this book. God's name is not stated in this book. And we have stressed that, which makes this book very interesting for us to consider in the canon of our scriptures, right? Yeah, it's very unique in that way. Yes. And the queen then comes before the king, invites them to not just one feast, but to a second banquet. And she presents her case. She humbly asks for mercy for herself and for her people. And at the very end, even her request, she says, I, I, I know this is going to cost you, King. I, I know you were going to make money off of our debts, but, but could you please reconsider? Could you allow us to live? Well, as we continue on in verse 5, then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, who is he and and where is he who has dared to do this this triple who where who i mean what is going on he he doesn't he hasn't connected the dots but esther said i'll i'll connect the dots for you in verse 6 esther said there's a foe and an enemy it's this wicked haman then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. You can just see her there pointing her finger at that's him, That's right? the guy. That's mm-hmm. the guy that's going to kill me. That's the guy that's going to kill, wants to kill Mordecai. It's Haman. And the king arose in his wrath from his wine drinking. And remember, this is a guy that can fly off the handle. He was known for the, this, if you read even secular history. This guy would make rash decisions. And he's realizing, oh my gosh, Haman tricked me into almost getting ready to kill my queen, the one that's my favorite. What an embarrassment. I mean, the king has to be sitting there and saying, what is going on? But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. He realized the king is hot, 
And if, if he can't get Queen Esther to say, oh, please um, intercede for me, if that doesn't happen, there, he's going to die. Um, again, from Isaiah, I was listening to this. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Um, kind of even now as a head to heart, um, there is peace in the midst of um, uncertainty, in the midst of things that aren't going our way. We, but we don't have to scramble. There is peace for those that walk well with the Lord, but there's no peace. Isaiah 48, 22 says, there is no place, no place of peace, says the Lord, for those who are wicked. When we walk in integrity, when we walk with the Lord, when we wait on the Lord, um, Isaiah says, he will renew our strength. We can rise up like us. We have wings of eagles. We can rise above um, the foe. We can rise above the, the struggle. We can wait for the Lord, and there will be peace. And I, I, I love here because Queen Esther has patiently waited on the Lord, and that's that's been our big point today is that she she was waiting. She took her time. She was preparing her thoughts, and she had actually won the respect and the ear of her royal husband. And Haman knew that from that verse Walt just shared in seven. Haman didn't run after the king as he stormed out into the palace garden. No, no, he stayed and began to beg for his life from Queen Esther. He he recognized what this woman had just done, and it was his neck that was going to be on the chopping block. Sure, and, and the, the king might be the head of the country, but the queen is the neck that turns the head in this case. Yeah. Well, then if, if we continue into verse 8, the, the king now returns from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. Now, you know, there are guards around there, you know, there's always the servants who are serving. They hadn't, we don't know that they had been dismissed from the area. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, and the king said, will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? You know, as those words left the mouth of the king, they, the servants, covered Haman's face. And then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose words saved the king, is standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high. A eunuch is quite aware of what Haman had prepared yesterday afternoon and through the night. And can you imagine this? Just earlier this morning, just earlier in the day, the king had said, what should be done to someone who, who delights in the king? What, what, what should we do? And he said, okay, this is what you do. Mordecai, um, um, he didn't know that it was Mordecai, but Haman says, well, you put him on the king's horse, and you put a royal crown on his head, and you put him in a robe, that the king, and then you have a, a great servant, someone that's high up in the king's palace area, go up, uh, around and say, this is what sh- should be done to him who pleases the king. This is the honor you can re- receive. If you take care of the king, thinking it was going to be him, 
I mean, at this point, the, the reversal is, is so profound. You know, there's a place in Shakespeare's play, Hamlet, where he talks about um, someone who is hoisted on his own petard. Um, we would say there's a bomb maker that is blown up by his own bomb that he intends to, to hurt others with. It's, it's something that you had planned and that you had, had schemed about and that you were going to use to do evil to others. Well, now that same evil, it's... It's reaping and sowing. It's he's sown wickedness. He's sown hatred of both Mordecai and the Jews, never knowing that the king's favorite wife, that the king's wife, Esther, was a Jew, and that, that God was orchestrating all these circumstances behind the scenes. Well, as this passage end, the king said, hang him, hang Haman on that own gallows that he had intended to hang Mordecai. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and then the wrath of the king abated. As we come to the end of this day, this day has had so many shifts. It started with with Haman thinking he was going to be honored, and it ends with Haman being hung on the very gallows that he had intended for Mordecai. And even as we return to this, a head-to-heart, we constantly say this, okay, God's word is true, and it, it wants to instruct us in living, in godliness, in righteous living. We come back to the question, do we wait for the Lord to move, or do we sometimes, are we prone to run ahead and devise our own plan to solve our problems? Brenda and I have been talking about some different things going on even in our life and in the life of our family, and um, and and we want to solve them. We, we want to run ahead but we need to wait on the Lord. Is there something that God's trying to do with you right now as you wait on him, something with you, but not in spite of you? Are you willing to wait on the Lord at this point? Are you willing to take it to the Lord in prayer? Are you asking him to solve problems that really he doesn't want you to solve? He wants to to use you with you and partner with you. And even as we begin to close today, we want to encourage you to listen to the song. Um, It's from a psalm, Psalm 130, crying out to the Lord and waiting on Him, even in those dark places in our life, wait on the Lord. Let me close in prayer. So, Father God, uh, we confess that in our humanity, sometimes we run ahead. But Lord, would you help us to wait on you? Would you help us to Entrust into your care for your time and for your power to be displayed as, as you work out what you intend to do um, in any situation in our life. And I, I'm specifically now thinking for Brenda and me for something going on with us and our family. Lord, would you, would you unveil your mighty right arm of power? Would you give us wisdom? Would you help us to know the right time and the right things that we can work with you, not in spite of you. And we ask that you would give us your wisdom that you promised to give us if we come to you in faith believing. Um, So Lord, we entrust this into your hands and ask that you be working in our lives. And we pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Well, until we come together again, will you continue to wait on the Lord as you walk with God? Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.